Today on CityCast Salt Lake, happy Friday, Salt Lake. We're rounding up the news of the week in our city and community activist and birth worker, Ashley Finley, is here to help me make some sense of it. It's Friday, June 17th, 2022. I'm Ali Vallarta and this is CityCast Salt Lake. Ashley, welcome to CityCast Salt Lake. Hey, Ali. Thank you. Happy Friday. Happy Friday. We're here. We're here. (laughs) We're here. And we're going to talk about some of the news that went down this week in our city, or I guess also in our region. Um, And I'm just going to give a heads up. It's not a super bright lineup, but we will end in a happy place. I promise. Sound good? That sounds great. It does feel like the biggest story this week is 31 men, members of the white supremacist group, the Patriot Front, were discovered by police officers crammed into the back of a U-Haul in the town of Coeur d'Alene, Idaho, which is in northwestern Idaho. They were, according to the police, their plan was to show up at a community pride event, a celebration of queer joy, and intimidate, show up in, in riot gear and cause a scene. I was hearing on the news the other day about how, um, you know, a couple of those guys were from Utah and one of them was very young and, um, they, his mother was, um, she's a social worker and she was talking about how (laughs) I know, yay, social workers, (laughs) She was talking about how, like, she just absolutely would not stand for it. And so when he got released from jail, you know, he came back home and she was like, listen, you either denounce this, you you get your stuff together. Like, you know, this is more get uh, more than getting your stuff together. But, you know, you turn away from this or you can't stay here. And she said that he chose to leave. And I'm thinking, like. Yeah, that's a confident decision he made, you know, like that's a very like he knows that he has a network. He knows that he supported. So his family alienating him, even though she did the right thing, I think, is not the biggest concern for him. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so, yeah, I think I think you're right, man. Like <laughs> we're going to see a lot more of this and we're going to see more and more intense. Um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it does feel like one of the sort of core recruitment tactics for these like far right extremists. And we're talking like, I mean, this is a group that has been classified by the Southern Poverty Law Center as a neo-Nazi organization. Like that is the language we need to be using. And one of their recruitment tactics is you know, um, victimization or persecution. Like this idea that like, look, we're being, we're the ones being bullied. We're the ones being harassed. We're being persecuted. I got thrown out of my home for my beliefs. Like all of that, I think feeds into the recruitment strategy mm-hmm. of getting people to identify with them as victims right? And, and get on board with the cause. And so, but like power to that mother and she is on a press tour. Like she is pissed. She, she is, is in, she's talking to every outlet. She was on CNN the other day. And she's like, 
I am going to travel this entire country telling people that this is not the child that I raised and that the lesson learned here is what are your kids doing online? What are you like in your very home? What's going on? And um, I would like to see brothers and fathers on that tour. I think they could play a really important role in denouncing and renouncing a lot of this behavior. Um, but you know, we know that women are the core of community. They're sort of the, the center point and more moms on tour denouncing this behavior. Like I just, she's doing the right thing. She's using the media moment to, to send the right message. Yes, I agree. I appreciate her so much because yeah, I think a lot of times families, um, And I mean, like, you know, there's no judgment, right? Because like you're embarrassed, you're sad, you're disappointed, you're angry. And all of a sudden, all this attention is on you. You know what I mean? And your family. And so I think a lot of times families tend to kind of like shy away and maybe hide, you know? And um, yeah, I I love that. She's kind of like fighting fire with fire. Like she's like, okay, you want to use publicity like okay we can do that let's play that game you know Mm -hmm. like I can also use publicity to let folks know that you know that one there are real families behind the decisions that people make and two um like I you know like like I love her kind of statement of like I will not like willingly be like go, like I will not willingly be a part of this or be associated with this, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's important. And I love your statement about brothers and fathers. Yes. Yes. Can we get some masculinity up in here? You know? Right. Right. Yep. Um, Okay. Let's move into a little bit of healthcare news while I have you here since uh, you are a birth worker and The thing that is on my mind this week is I follow the Utah Abortion Fund on Instagram and they made a post the other day. They made a post on June 15th, Wednesday, and they said, well, we've already used up our entire allocated budget to support people who need abortions for the month of June. And that is halfway into this month. I know there are a lot of people in this community who are not are specifically not pursuing resources from the abortion fund because they want to safeguard them f- for people like if they feel like they have other resources or can shore up other resources. So that's just a small sliver of people in our community who already need support getting reproductive health care. And abortion's still legal in Utah. It is. Like the abortion fund is spent and abortion is still legal in Utah. I reached out to one of the fund's administrators and I'm not going to name them because I am like, I think we are headed into sort of a scary time. Um, But she told me that what they really need right now is grant writers. They're looking for people that can support with writing grants and can make that time commitment and really show up for it. Um, And they need to figure out long-term sustainable funding. So this is both like an FYI and also kind of a call to action. Like if you're out there and you have experience writing grants and you can support this work, please reach out to the Utah Abortion Fund. Please. 
please, 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 um, a group of amazing people who are really about that action. You know what I mean? Like they, they walk the talk definitely. And I think you're right. Like we're heading into scary times. And I think now more than ever, it's really important for people to understand that like there is a national network of abortion funds. So like, I know that we're talking specifically about Utah and specifically about Salt Lake City, but um, just in case we have people who are elsewhere, you know, like there's a national network of abortion funds and it's really important. Like, you know, like right now in, in the wake of, you know, the leak that happened with the, the possible decision coming. Right. To overturn of, Roe. Mm -hmm. Right. Yes. Thank you for like being specific. <laughs> Sometimes I assume everyone knows, you know, <laughs> but um, I think it's really important important that you know folks are you know like their ears are perked up and they're ready and they're and they're ready to be involved and maybe they're even ready to donate and I think it's really important that like you look local first right like mm -hmm. we have all this money and resources being funneled into Planned Parenthood which is great and useful but we have the Utah Abortion Fund right here it's a grassroots organization that does really hands-on beautiful work about you know, like advocating for, um, organizing for, and like just interpersonal help with, with providing, not providing, like they're not the providers, but you know what I mean? But right. helping people have access to safe abortions, which are still legal in Utah. And it's important for us to say that. Um, and so like, if you can't donate money, but you have a skill, just like you said, like, People who can write grants, who know how to navigate that system, like it's so important to get in touch and and do what you can do to kind of put your, you know, put yourself to the to the work. This is so important. It's so important. And it's a constant struggle um, with them. You know, like I feel like they kind of run out of their budget every month and then, you know, we get. Uh, people who donate and stuff, which were, which is, you know, beautiful, but you're right. Long-term sustainable um, funding would be great. And the best way to get that is through grants, to be honest. Yeah. Yeah. And I also think like, you know, I worked in development for a really long time and I will say there are a lot of things around fundraising that are really frustrating and there are a lot of systemic issues and not just asking people like, listen, let's be real. Most grant writers work at nonprofits. They are not the highest paid people in our community, right? So this conversation needs to be taken. That needs to be escalated also to the foundations, mm. to the family foundations, to funding circles, to community foundations. Like do not like center this, this crisis in your giving plan, please. Mm. And like, you know, we spend a lot of time when we ask for resources asking, you know, I, I mean, like as someone who's fundraised, some of your best donors are bartenders. They right. are people in the community who like figure out what they can give. And it might be $50, but to them, it's a lot. And there are people in this very city with a lot of resources and just up the street in Park City where someone just bought the most expensive home to ever be purchased in this entire state. And I think we need to be very particular 
asking them to shore up resources. Um, and also like if you're a funder, please, like if you're making your funding plan for next year, I hope this is, I hope these abortion funds are in it. Um, cause again, this is a healthcare, this is a healthcare problem. It's a healthcare issue. And I think it's really important that you highlighted that, you know, like a lot of people think it's a moral issue and it really isn't right. It's about being able to receive comprehensive, compassionate, safe health care. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I won't get on my soapbox. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> but you deliver babies for a living. So. <laughs> I do. I do deliver babies. And, and you know, that's something that I get all the time. It's like, well, if you're a doula, like, how can you be in support of abortion? And there's a lot of different ways that I can answer that question. But one of the most um you know, I guess like forefront ways that I can answer that question is that I I supp- I am a reproductive justice advocate. And that means that I support whatever anybody chooses or whenever they're in a situation to make a medical choice about whether or not to have a child. Mm-hmm. Um, I support, I advocate. That's what a doula is. You know, I advocate for people's autonomy and for their choices, whether it's in birth or not. And so, um, yeah, it's, it's, I'm passionate. I have my own personal story. You know, we can get into that another time, but, (laughs) (laughs) but it's it's a topic very close to my heart. And the Utah abortion fund is really close to my heart. Um, and I'm so grateful for them. And I just, I just want to see them supported for the amazing work that they do in the way that they should be supported. One of the things that I um, have been reading about is Senator Mitt Romney's got this bill. I don't know if you've seen it. He's now picking up some co-sponsors around it, but it's called the Family Security Act 2.0. And it would provide parents basically with money for each of their children Um, And it would provide pregnant women with payments during the last four months before their due date. And basically, I mean, like the nuts, the nuts and bolts of this are sort of what you would expect. Like, of course, there are minimum earnings requirements. There's income laps caps. There's a limit on the number of children. Um, But it's kind of reads to me a little bit like his answer to people saying who can afford to have children. Like who can actually afford to have kids in this country? Yeah. Um, and I don't mean to like to align that too closely to the issue of of abortion, but I do feel like they're they're sort of neighbors. Yeah. Um, and I don't know. I can't decide how I feel about this. Like I do like when I will say like I'm interested in the government boning up money for people who um are taking on an enormous responsibility. Um, But I also don't want it to be framed as like a solution. And I don't want it to be framed so closely to this issue that it becomes a bit of like a, I don't know, like maybe a scapegoat for accountability around like forced pregnancy. Right. 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 And I see what you mean. Like, yeah, I, I agree. Like I'm somewhere in the middle where I hear that and I'm like, right, great. Like, 
you know, put your money where your mouth is, essentially. Like, and then also I see that I even find myself framing it in my mind, like, okay, well, if you're going to force people to have kids, then you need to provide resources for them. Right. And that's really sad. (laughs) It's sad that that's where my mind immediately went is like, if you're going to force people to have children, then you need to be providing bona fide financial resources for those people. So yeah, it's kind of, I'm somewhere in the middle there. And I think you're exactly right. I think that you're, you're hitting it right on the nose when, you know, your instinct tells you that this might be, um, you know, they're going to align these two things together because it's just kind of like in the times that we're in, I feel like it was very natural for me to make that connection. And I think that they're going to use that to their benefit. Right. I also, I just sort of have to laugh because of course you and I were like chuckling about Gen Z before we started chatting about the news this morning. And like one of the senator, like the senators have been pretty clear about the intentions of this bill. Um, Senator Romney, of course, from Utah and others. And one of them is to promote marriage. Mm. And I'm just like, (laughs) that's so strange. (laughs) I, as a millennial, I don't know. I, I don't think that like, I don't know many people in my generation who are like, you know, for, for some money, we're going to get married. And I'm like, good, good luck with us because <laughs> I don't think, I don't think 350 bucks is going to do it. Right. Senator. Right. <laughs> I think the nuclear family unit is, is on its way out the door and this is a desperate attempt to keep it in play. Right. And I think that like the conversations that, I mean, I've been reading some great articles in just the past year about like community care and how we can like reimagine childcare and our model for family. And those are so much more interesting to me than a bill that pays people to have children. Although there might be some folks with different takes. And if you've got one, I'd love to hear it. I would love to hear it too. You're right. Exactly. I don't understand like, well, I do understand, but the part of it's so frustrating that like people's specific preferences as they always have but in these like very obvious ways are making their 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 way into legislation right like mitt okay mitt like you want people to be married but i don't want to be married and like you said you passing me a check every month isn't going to incentivize me to like now go ahead and and become betrothed you know what I mean and pregnant right I'm sorry and this is what I talk about when we talk about like abortion pregnancy all of that as more of a health issue than it is a moral issue Mm -hmm. right because like you can give me say even I'm being generous here and saying like all right you pass me two hundred dollars a month right but one First of all, that's not even going to cover my deductible to have a baby. Second of all, um, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like in the last four months, okay, what about all the other six months, right? Like, And second of all, like all of the things that come with having a baby medically, right? Mm. What if what if I'm a high-risk pregnancy, right? Like and and it still becomes a a decision for me to make about whether or not it's safe for me to have this baby 
You know what I mean? Like the money isn't going to matter to me mm-hmm. when I'm and when I'm faced um, with a decision beyond just like my own personal choice about whether I want to have children or not. But say I chose to have children and then I become in a situation like where it's simply not healthy for me to do so. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. What, what's 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 um, a check every month going to do for me? Yeah. My most distilled and simplified take on this legislation is, and I mean, listen, all due respect, this is someone's grandpa oversimplifying an issue that has absolutely nothing to do with him. (laughs) Nothing. Absolutely nothing to do with him. He doesn't even have the range. (laughs) You know, like that's what the kids say. You don't have the range when when they're saying. You know, talking about Gen Z, right? Like mm-hmm. when they're mm-hmm. talking about like someone not even being able to like comprehend the complexity of a topic or situation. Nice try. Nice try. Matt. Nice try. <laughs> um, My dog is howling in the back, so I hope. That's okay. We all work from home now and that's just the reality of the situation. So. Great. Okay. <laughs> um I've heard dogs howling on the BBC. So I'm like, you know what? I think I think we're all right. <laughs> Very upset that he can't. He wants to be part of this conversation. He has a couple of things to say. <laughs> and he's got the range. He does have the range. <laughs> um, can I tell you the other thing that I feel like is big news this week? And yes. it might feel silly, but it's my favorite kind of news. The weather. The weather. I love weather news. I love talking about the weather. And I think this is one of the things I love about Salt Lake. Like, look, this is not a high speed, fast paced East Coast city where like we have to be the first to. I don't know. I feel like I love that this feels like a small town and I love that everyone's talking about the weather. I think it's quaint and friendly. I do, do too. I appreciate it. Um, And it's hot. It's. It was hot. It's going to get hot again. This weekend's going to be hot. It's hot. It's hot. And it's, um, I saw like, yeah, next week it's already supposed to, we're back up in the 90s today. We're going to have a little dip. And then next week is supposed to be back up solidly and consistently into the 90s. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, it's so interesting because one part of me is like, I really am so happy and I've been waiting for these 90 degree days. Um, but the environmentalist in me, right? It's like my heart's a little, uh-oh, a little yeah. sad. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, this whole region is being absolutely ravaged by weather right now. We've got New Mexico is burning. Um, Montana and Wyoming are, are drowning and mm-hmm. flooding. Um, California burning. Too. California's burning. Arizona's next. We are dusty and dry, and Lord knows what's what's on what's about to be served up to us. Right. Um. And so I think I also think talking about the weather is like important. Like it is important that we all know what the what it's gonna do because. It's extreme, right? It's not just the farmer's almanac, like, oh, it's going to be a hot one or like, oh, a little bit of rain. It's like, hey, the weather's extreme. We all actually need to be communicating about what our needs are around that, especially heat. 
Um, and something that I learned from a friend to do in the summer that I think is just like an easy and sort of good, be a good neighbor tip is we lose a lot of people on our streets every year in the heat. And I think we think about when we think about weather and shelter, we think a lot about winter, but summer heat is dangerous. And so keep some like water bottles in your car. I think I always just have like a 16, one of those like 16 bags and give them out. Like if you're at a protest, if you're walking down the street, if you're at a stop sign and there's someone with a sign who's looking for resources, like just give everyone a water bottle (laughs) because we don't have that many public drinking fountains. We really don't. And we got to stay hydrated and we got to keep each other hydrated in the sea. Yeah. I agree. Um, hydration is so, 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 so important. And, you know, even at the Liberty Wells, like artisan, artesian or whatever, it was an artesian well, yeah. you know. I love Which that Which I thing. think is one of the coolest things about our city. Uh-huh. Um, when I first came here, I was like, what? You know, like, <laughs> um, I've seen it. Like, you know, there's so many people just kind of congregating around it more than usual because it's so hot. And, you know, I'm always one to kind of talk about our, our relationship to the land and just kind of listening to the land and, and the plant relatives, you know, and I was thinking about how, um, you know, I had this collared, collared green plant that overwintered itself and I was so proud of it. And, you know, and I was so excited to be able to have these collards this year. And I went and it had bolted already. And, you know, for those of you maybe who don't grow, bolting means that the plant um, went to seed. It flowered. Um, oh. and so it, that's quick. That's very soon, right? Like the beginning of June and the plants already thinking. And they do that when the weather is either too... Um, What's the word like? Is is it volatile? Like where it's too yeah. unpredictable and or it gets too hot too fast. So it's a survival mechanism that plants will do and they'll just bolt and put out their flowers and seeds and say, ah, try again next year. <laughs> you know? Huh. And That's so I've been thinking about that collared plant and and what it was communicating and kind of like been sitting with that you know and I'm like man we're in survival mode and I think what you're saying about like also being compassionate and thinking about our community um and how we can help like the folks of it like those of us and our neighbors who don't have as much resources you know um carrying water you know um even like if you can swing it carrying um like in my house, I have these, they're called like liquid IV, not sponsored, oh, yeah. but you yeah, know. Right. Like these. <laughs> but if you're interested, liquid IV, uh, that's. Uh, <laughs> We'd love to work with you. Uh, maybe like, like work with us to get some of our unsheltered neighbors, some hydration packs to put in those water bottles so that they can be getting electrolytes and vitamins as well. And a little know? sugar. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. But you're right. We, it's a small we, thing, but if we all do it, you know, community care, man, <laughs> that's it. That's the only way we're going to get through this, this climate future. It is. Um, it truly is. I know. Ashley, what are you up to this weekend? 
Oh, girl, you know, it's Juneteenth and I am I so excited. Yes, I know you had to expect that. I was going to be on here raving about Juneteenth. <laughs> <laughs> I um, am so excited. Just a quick, quick history lesson for those of you who may not be familiar. Juneteenth recently became a federal holiday, but it is a very traditional holiday to Black folks on the American, on the, the U.S. continent. Um, and it commemorates, or it doesn't commemorate, I guess. it's it, What it is, is a traditional celebration of June 19th, 1865, where enslaved people in Galveston, Texas, found out that they were free um, two and a half, almost three years after the Emancipation Proclamation was signed and sent out by Abraham Lincoln. Um, and and uh, there's a lot of speculation, but um, the consensus is that they were purposely kept in the dark. So the U.S. sent troops to Texas to um, force these plantation owners to free these people. And so um, when I was younger, it used to be called like Juneteenth Jubilee because there's the story of like, the jubilee that happened in the celebration when these people realized that they were free um, and and liberated, you know, there was food, there was dancing, all of that. And that has been a continued tradition since June 19th, 1865 for um, more specifically Black folks of the American South. But, you know, as the Great Migration happened, those celebrations traveled with them to the North and the West. And so... Um, we have several different celebrations. There's one in Ogden on Sunday. There's one at the Gateway on Sunday. And there's one at Mill Creek Commons on Sunday as well. There's some happening on the 20th. We're personally having a skate night with the skate babes. Uh, <laughs> I'm so excited. I'm so excited. So I it is up this weekend. It's about to be lit. I'm eating all the food. I'm drinking all the drinks. I am in the sun with my SPF. Uh, <laughs> I'm singing all the songs and dancing. So that's what I'm most excited about. I love it. I love it. How about you? Honestly, I have nothing to add. I'm just like, I'm going to go where I'm told. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> some weekends I'm a leader and some weekends I'm a follower. This yeah. weekend I'm a follower. I'm going to just follow the Juneteenth celebrations all around. Yeah, I think that's beautiful. Yeah. So I'm going to go where I'm told. <laughs> Eat the food. That's what I'm so excited about. You're probably going to have lots of like, uh, you know, like catfish. Maybe there's going to be some red velvet cake, which is historically linked to the celebration of Juneteenth. I didn't know that. Yeah, so it's very interesting. Red Velvet Cake has a um, historical context to Juneteenth. Um, and so it's my favorite cake. So It's a good cake. <laughs> so I think I'm personally going to make a peach cobbler, which is <gasps> my favorite thing. Yeah. I see you've been making some pies, though. Well, yes. No, <laughs> I have been making strawberry rhubarb pies. Uh, I've been just baking like crazy. And then what happens is like when you get on Instagram and you're like, oh, I made this thing. Everyone, you know, who has a garden is like, I have rhubarb on my way to your house, dropping it off. Cause that's the great thing about like, I think like backyard gardening is 
everyone's like varietals pop off at the same time. Yes. So it's like the rhubarb is growing. It's out of control. Everyone who has rhubarb is like, please take some. And so my counter is stacked with rhubarb. I'm pumping out these strawberry rhubarb pies and I am um, currently on my personal Instagram delivering a slice to everyone who sends me a screenshot of a donation to the Utah Abortion Fund. And it's been a fun way to just like kind of see the city and um, have an excuse to bake, which I find very relaxing. Um, So yeah, I'll be, I'm just going to keep making pies over here, but um, yeah, that's, that's me. (laughs) That's my, I think it's so beautiful and such a beautiful way to like be involved, right? Like with a, with a project that's very close to you and then also to bake and also to like you said, like connect with our community. Such a beautiful idea. Thank you so much for doing that. Oh, that's really sweet of you. Well, if anyone wants pie this weekend, do not come to me. You got to buy it from Pie's the Limit because. Yes. <laughs> first of all, if you're not buying black this weekend. Right. Exactly. Come on. Come on. And second of all, I mean, Dominique's pies are, we've talked to him on this pod. His pies are, I could never, like he's my pie idol. Bye. So, <laughs> and he's encouraging, like he's encouraging, but I'm like, my pie is a, it's a donation pie. It's free pie. Right. <laughs> and it's probably just as delicious. <laughs> but yes, I, I really, really encourage y'all to like, Get out there, buy black. There's going to be so many black vendors, um, chefs, artisans, you know, sellers. And and if you're looking especially to start your your shopping for the holidays early, now is the time. Now is the time. You're going to get a bit of the flavor that that we bring and we be bringing. <laughs> so, so good. I encourage you. Um, to budget this weekend and and budget some money to support local black businesses. All right. Ashley, it's been so fun spending this morning with you. Well, you are just a light. Thank you so much for having me. And it's been beautiful spending this time and this laughter with you as well. We'll see you later. All right. Bye, y'all. Bye. That's all for us today here on CityCast Salt Lake. Our lead producer is Nick Steffens. Our producer is Diane Magipinto. And our host is me, Ali Vallarta. Our show music is by the fantastic local band, Mitochondria. Thank you to our special guest newsletter contributor, Scotty Hill, who has been sharing a glimpse of Salt Lake's art world with us every day in the CityCast Salt Lake newsletter. You can subscribe to that at saltlake.citycast.fm. No show or newsletter Monday. Utah, of course, is observing the Juneteenth holiday for the first time this year. So we'll be back Tuesday morning with more news from around this city. Bye.